Greetings, welcome back to another ongoing series of Shirem and Dafyom. My name is Yitzchak Hachalom. We are now in Masachet Kiddushin Daf Mem Bet Amud Aleph. In the middle of our discussion of the sources of the concept of Shlichut, Amar Menachem Amar Shmuel. Itomim Shavau Lachlok Benichsei Avihem Bedin Ma'amidin Lam Abutropos Uvarim Lam Chelik Yafeh. This picks up off of the last piece that we saw in the previous podcast, where we saw what seemed to be a makor for shlichut from division of property by an executor, um, and the source being uh, the division by the nisim, the division of the land. Uh, and then we saw that that wasn't really an issue of shlichut. Uh, uh, so Beitin uh, appoints an executor, and they divide up on behalf of the uh, orphans the, the, the estate, so quoting Shmuel, Rav Nachman said that when the orphans come of age, they can uh, protest the division. Nachman Didea but he himself said, He said he disagreed with his rabbi and said they cannot protest. Why? That it's essentially cuts to the integrity of the Beitin, they make a decision, and then the Beit, that decision is overturned. So parenthetically, since one of Rav Nachman subscribed to the notion that the, shall we say, theoretically correct position should not be executed because it affects the integrity of the Beit if the Beit made an assessment of property and they missed it by a sixth up or a sixth down, which is the normal shear for Onah, Mechran Batel, then the sale is nullified, you go back and reassess it, etc. He disagrees and says, Kayam, why? And seems not to accept the principle of Koach Beitin and says that what's right is right, and even if it means that the Beitin's decision has to be overturned. So the answer is Lokasha. Hadato, hadaloto. If Beitin indeed erred, then we have to overturn it. Uh, but if Beitin did not err, then you cannot, uh, revisit their ruling because of Makoach Beitin Yafet. So, idaloto, mayicholimimchot, but, so then why would Shmuel say that yicholimimchot? If they didn't make a mistake, what is there to protest? The answer is yicholimimchot, beruchot. That, uh, they, they got the right amount of property, but one boy got on the east side, the other got on the west side, and they wanted to switch, or the one wasn't happy with what he got. In other words, there wasn't a technical, um, miscarriage of justice in the division, uh, as there would be in a case where the, uh, appraisal was incorrect, but rather the boy wasn't happy with what portion he got. Okay, I'm Rav Nachman. Now, continue on this theme, we're gonna bring it back to our Mishnah. Something we saw in Rabbi Yochanan's name earlier, uh, that when brothers divide up the estate of their parents, of the father who dies, they have, that's a dean of Mekach, which means that, that uh, Nyovel should come back. So therefore, Pachot Mishtut Nikna Mekach, if their division, uh, the particular division, was off by a sixth or less, then the division is good. If it's more than a sixth off, then batel mekach, all things no good, you have to go back and redivide. Shtut, if it's exactly a sixth, then it's exactly the principle by onah. Kana umachzir on onah. Then the division is proper, but then the fellow who got a sixth more has to pay that back to the brother who got less or to the pot. 
Now, Amar Rav. Rav then puts a, uh, a caveat on each one of the rulings. Nachman said that if it is less than a sixth, the deal is good. That's only if the uh, the heir did not appoint the um, the whichever one was doing the division as a shaliach. But if you appoint him as a shaliach, I sent you to correct things and not to mess things up. So even if he makes a smallest mistake, much less than a sixth, it can still be retracted. And when do we say that if it's more than a sixth, the entire division is off? That's only if he didn't say, we're going to divide based on the Beitin's appraisal. But if he said, that we're, if they agreed to use the Beitin's appraisal to divide the property, then then the deal was good, even if it was a gross error. Why? So he's relying on Shem Gamliel here, who says that once Beitin is involved, whatever they rule is good, even if it turns out that they made a mistake. And the third ruling of Nachman, which is that if it's exactly a sixth off, then the division is good, but the brother who got the overage owes to the brother who got the underage, or to the pot, the difference. That's only true when dividing chattel. Of Makarkif, the dividing real estate, and on all the Kokot. This entire ruling, as I mentioned a couple of times, is based on the principle of Ona, a sixth. And therefore, and there's no Ona in the context of Karkot. And by the way, of Makarki, in the context of Karkot, that's only if they eyeballed it and, and divided. If they used a real measuring rod or measuring rope, then Ona works even less than a sixth. Anytime that you measure something, or you weigh something, or you do it by counting, even if it's less than a sixth, it's chozer. In other words, a sixth, Rabbi says, is only a measure of eyeballing, and it's only in the case of metaltolim. So you have a bunch of fruit, and you eyeball it and say, okay, that looks like the right amount, and you give the money, and then later you weigh it or you count them, and it turns out that you're over a sixth off, it goes back. Less than a sixth off, you're forgiven. It's, the amount is forgiven, exactly a sixth. You have to pay the overage, but the deal was good. With Karka, there is no such thing. There is an ona in Karkot. But if you measure the land out, then not only is there ona, but it reaches well below a sixth. <clears throat> okay, Vahadetnan, so now we're picking from this into the sugya of Shliach Lidvaravera. Because we, because our principle that we've just established is the Shlucho Shladam Kemoto. And now we're coming back to it. If you sent a flame with an incompetent, uh, and you gave him a coal or something, and said, go next door, and, and he dropped it and started a, fl- a fire, then, the beitin cannot, there's no, it's not actionable, because beitin, because you didn't start the fire, but you and HaKadosh Baruch have to work it out. That's what Chayv Dinah Shemaim. Which means really, uh, if you want to be a good guy, you should pay. But if you sent it in the hands of a competent person, then he is chayev. Even though you said here, I want you to go start a fire over there. He's chayev. Why? Why don't we say that a person's agent is like him? Meaning that if I send a competent person to the neighbor's field with a torch and say, I want you to start torching his field, why aren't I chayev? The answer is, there is no such thing as shlichud when it comes to an avera. Why? If your master tells you to do something and his student tells you to do something, who do you listen to? HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, don't start a fire. And this guy told you to start a fire. 
So why are you listening to this guy? It was your decision, which means ultimately a competent person makes his own decisions. And if he decides to act in a criminal manner based on the uh, the direction or instructions given to him by uh, somebody who's a supervisor, he shouldn't listen to him. Uh, so that, there's not, that's not exactly true because we find a counterexample. Let's say that a uh, man owns uh, some hectish money. And he tells the shaliach, I want you to go and uh, and buy some food with it and feed it to my friends. And the shaliach does it differently. He goes and buys different kind of food. He feeds it to different people. He eats it himself. Then the shaliach is, violates me'ilah. But if he does exactly what the balabite tells him, balabite mal. And the balabite was moral, even though the balabite just told him to do it. And the shaliach went ahead, took the money, bought food, and fed it to the other guys. He did all the actions. Nonetheless, the balabite is moral. Why don't we employ the principle that we just established? And the shleich himself should be chayiv. As you see on the page, first two psukim indicate the word in the context of truma, and in the context of meila. So that word chet tells us that meila and truma have some sort of connection. What is the truma, as we saw in the last podcast? Ma truma. Ma shvishliach. Just like truma, atem gamatem, you can establish a shaliach. Af mi'ila ma shvishliach. Mi'ila also could take a shaliach, which means there's a unique halacha in the context of mi'ila, that if I send someone else to do the mi'ila, that's an extension of me, and I'm chayiv. So, why don't we use that as the principle and say, yeshliach l'dvar ver b'cholotarekula? The answer is, This should sound familiar from the end of the first parak. Because me'ila and shlichut yad, shlichut yad is when a shomer deliberately uh, hurts or steals the pikaron that he has. So that's because in both of those cases, the Torah goes out of its way, evidently, to, tell, to teach that if you um, uh, violate the law through an agent, the agent's chayiv. Uh, sorry, that you're chayiv. Right? So let's say Meila Hadamran. Meila we just established. Shlichut Yad Mahi. What's the case of Shlichut Yad? Tanya. I called Var Pesha. Let's talk about the Shvuat Hashomrim. Why does the Torah say that you have to take a Shvuat for any sort of violation? And even if you intended to do something wrong, I tell him, No, you only Chayev once you actually do something. Shemayim lo Shlach Yado. So I'm going to be the hill of Alonim or Alkol Dvar Pesha. So Bechami said to Bechila, so what's Alkol Dvar Pesha there for? So Bechila said back to Bechami, but it says that you take the Shvua to the effect that you didn't do anything, not thinking, but do anything. So Bechami So this is sort of a long version of uh, the obvious question, which is, so why does the Torah say Alkol Dvar Pesha if the Torah does not intend to obligate you for your intentions to mess things up. I might think that you're only chayv if you do it yourself. What if you told your agent or your slave to go and uh, destroy this picadon or to uh, or to do something with the picadon? Oh, so Beit Hillel here... Um, says that I'll call Dvar Pesha is there not to be but rather to tell you that if your agent did it, you're still Chayev. 
even if you devour, meaning even if you gave the word and he did it, you're chayev. So you see that Shlichud Yad and Me'ilah are the two exceptions that the Torah singles out where when you tell your agent to violate the law, you're chayev. So So fine, that only works the corner of Be'hillah. So corner of who says that that Pasuk is there to teach you that your intentions are considered as your actions and not about Shaliach. So then Me'ilah is a great source for teaching the principle that Yeshliach the Dvar now the answer is We have a third example, and that is tfichol mechira. Whereas if you steal someone's animal, and you're found, so you're chayiv kefal. If you sold it or or, or shechted it, then you're chayiv to pay four or five, depending on what kind of animal it is, four or five times arba v'chamisha. And that's shnei gvim mamam kachad. Meila hadam run. Meila we already established. Tfichol mechira mahi. What's that? Amarkra utvacho omecharo. Torah says, if you stole something and you slaughtered it or sold it. Why are those two put together? Just like sale has to do with another person. You can't sell it to yourself. You have to sell it to be another person involved. Um, similarly, slaughtering your chayev, even if somebody else did it. Which means if you stole the animal and you gave it to a shochet and said shechet, your chayev, even though he did the action, so therefore you see that in the case of Tvicha specifically, Yeshliach Ledvar meaning his action reflects on me and I'm Chayiv. So Me'ilan, Tvicha Mechira, now Shnei Ketuvim. So, Devera Bishmoel Tana, we have several ways to get to this, not just the comparison between Tvicha Mechira, but rather O, the Rabbat HaShaliach, Utvacho O Mecharo. The O is there to say, you slaughtered it or somebody else slaughtered it. He said, you have to pay Arbatson Tachat Haseh, in place of, so that's there to, uh, uh, because you should say Arbatson Laseh, why Tachat, is there to expand it to say Shaliach also. So now we have three different uh, approaches to saying the same thing, which is that Tvicha Ideacher, your Chayv, meaning you stole the animal and you gave it to a Shochet to Shecht, your Chayv Arba Chamisha, not the Shochet. So you see the Me'ila and Tzvich HaMechira are now Shtei Ketuvim. But of course, as we saw a few dafi go in another context, that only works if you accept the principle that when two psukim teach the same idea, that you cannot use it as a model. The great Tanoim said that just because the Pasuk or the idea is mentioned twice in the Torah, doesn't mean you can't use it as a model. So the answer is, is when you shach the korban outside of the mishkan and try to bring it as a korban. Uh, and the Torah says, the, the blood that that man spills will be considered for that man that he spilled blood and he was, and he'll get correct. Only he and not a shaliach. I mean, if a shaliach does it, he's chayiv. You're not chayiv. So the Torah went out of its way to say that only your chayiv. So Ashkechan gavi shchut echutz v'chol Torah v'nel. And so how do I know that shchut echutz is the model that says ein shliach vera? You're only chayiv for your own actions, and I should apply that across the rest of the Torah. And meila and maybe shlichut yad and maybe tzvichu mechira are the exceptions. Why should I say that? Um, the answer is the yalef mishchut echutz. So how does mishchut echutz mehanach? Why not learn from the others? The answer is, 
The Torah says, Dam yechashev la'ishahu, for that man, and then it says, and that man will be cut off. Why say ishahu once, and why say it twice? In the Gufof, it's not there to teach the principle of you're responsible for your own actions in in Shchut Echutz. Now in Mechalot Arkula, it must be that it's there to expand to say Mechalot Arkula, you're responsible for your own actions. All right, so now let's flip it back. If that's that, we only use that because we had an opinion that said Ein Malam that Malamdin Shneitu by Malamdin, but Uluman Da Amar Shneitu by Mam Kachad Ein Malamdin, which is the general approach, then. Hani ha, hani ha, hu, ha, hu, my darish pray. What are you going to do with ha'isha hu and ha'isha hu in shchutei chutz, which now is unnecessary for the, what you're looking for, which is, um, which is, um, because we got it from the fact that mi'ila and tvechem achira, shnek tuv maim kechan. So what do we darsh? Then chad lemutishnam shochzim misakin v'shochatim. So one of them is ha'isha hu, meaning it's only when a solo person shechts the animal, not when two people hold the knife together and do it. It's got to be a guy who really knows what he's doing. He's not confused. He's not forced into it. And he's not mistaken about what's going on. All right. So now, how is the a position that says, and needed Ha'ishahu to teach our principle? Well, how are they going to get those halachot from? Instead of saying Ha'ishahu, it could have said Ha'ishahu. The fact that it says Ha'ish Ha'hu teaches me both that uh, you're responsible for your own actions, and it applies B'cholat Torah and these specific halachot that are local. And this is how these things always end up. The other position says Hu Ha'hu, not a big difference. Or the other way to say it is it never could have said Ha'ish Hu. That's just not Hebrew. And if it has had to say Ha'ish Ha'hu, therefore I don't have two things I can learn from it. The only thing I can learn from it is these halachot, because I learned from the Shnei Ketuvim. Now, So we have this bizarre fra- uh, brayta in which a man says to his agent, go kill somebody. I'm a hitman. The guy who uh, kills is chayev, obviously, and the guy who sent him is patur. But Shamaya Zakenu, Mishum Chagai Hanavi, if it's in tradition, going back to Chagai Hanavi, Shochav Chayav, that the uh, that the mob boss is chayev for sending out the uh, the hitman to kill somebody. Why? Shinemar Otahor Agta Becherav Benamon Natan Hanavi accuses David of killing Uriah, even though Uriah was not touched by David. Uriah was sent to the front uh, and killed by uh, by the Ammonites when he went against the wall of the city. So my time at Shama Hazakein. Why does Shama Hazakein take this position? One answer is this. First of all, he holds and therefore I don't have any reason not to use Mi'ila as a model. And second of all, she doesn't accept as a drasha. Therefore, he's got no reason to learn that he's got Mi'ila as a great model. is a great model. is not a model at all because Aishahu is there for other local halachot. is not a big deal. Therefore, he doesn't have anything extra there. That's answer one. Could be that Shammai Zaken agrees with us. Why does Shammai Zaken say Chayev? Chayev didn't Shammai. Shammai Zaken didn't mean to take the opposite position of the Chachamim. Chachamim said that the killer is Chayev and the Sholech is Pater, and he said the opposite. No, he says, of course the guy who killed him is Chayev. He just means the guy who sent him is also Chayev. But Dina Shammai? Well, now you're going to tell me. How the Dhamma Kamasabar Fil Dina Shamaim Nay Pater? 
You can tell me the Tanakhama holds that the guy who sent him to kill somebody is not even Chay Bedina Shemaim? That's preposterous. That the only difference between them is how Chayib is he. In other words, the guy who sent him is certainly not Chayib Adine Adam. However, is he, does he, is he really seriously Chayib in Bedine Shemaim? Or just a thing he shouldn't have done? Uh, and that's the difference between them. It's a little bit difficult because that makes it sort of a gray area and Shammai's position seems to be a hard area. So that is different here because the Torah went out of its way to say that, David, you killed somebody. Meaning that in the case of murder for hire, there may be an exception based on the condemnation and accusation of David that if you send somebody out to kill for you, that you are considered to be the killer. The <clears throat> Idach. So what will, the, what will Chacham say to that? They darshan it differently. When Natan said, you killed him, it doesn't mean you killed him and that you're Chayev, but rather, you're killing him is just like if he died in war. You won't be punished for one of your soldiers dying in war. You won't be punished for killing Uriah. It's very strange, considering that in Malachim Aleph Tadvav, the one thing that the, the text goes out of its way to say David did wrong was Bidvar Uriah Right? How do we understand that? My time. So why was David not punished for Uriah? Because Uriah was formally a rebel against David. Because when David summoned Uriah under the pretense of getting a report from the front, but really trying to get Uriah to sleep with his own wife so that he would cover up the pregnancy. What David said to him, why don't you go home and uh, and uh, sleep in your house with your wife, etc. He said, I can't believe you'd say that. After all, all of the army and the Aaron and my master Yoav are all camped on the field. Why am I going to go home and sleep in my own bed? Right? Uh, there's, there's a lot there. So the fact that he called Yoav my master in the presence of David is a morid machut. If you want to go back to your first answer, which the Shammai Zaken said really, and really, the the guy who sent him is totally Chayav, and everything else. And the reason is because he holds Shnei Tuvim, Malamdin, and Huahu, he doesn't darshan. Then, even he would agree that if you send somebody else to do an Avera, which is in the area of either Isure Bi or Macholot Asurot, that the Shliach is Chayav. Why? We've never found any such example where one person gets the Hanah and the other guy gets Chayav, and for the punishment for that Hanah, whether the Hanah is in uh, Arayot or in Chalavim, in, in, in uh, Bia or in, or in Macholot Asurot. In any case, we'll stop at this point. We're going to pick up on further exploration into the nature of of uh, of shlichut in the next podcast. In the meantime, everyone should have a wonderful day.